Um, so we are coming off the back of a time of just really getting to know more of ourselves, more of the one who has done everything for us so that we don't need to worry. We can cast our burdens on him. We can come to him and let him just lead us into the next phase of whatever that's going to be. Whether that's later today, whether that's tomorrow, or whether that's next week sometime. What he's got for us and where he wants to lead us off the back of our laying down the junk that gets in the way. And that's what we're really looking at in this series of standing, of preparing ourselves to be solid in place to receive and to give. To give so that there's less of ourselves so that we can be filled. And today we're going to look at standing in truth. And in order to stand in truth, we have to know what truth is. And that's why we've looked at standing in the word and getting to know what God's words are for us. The importance of knowing where to go to access truth. That's why we've looked at standing in faith. Because the word forms our faith and it leads us to greater faith. It's why we've looked at confession and forgiveness and the importance of those disciplines so that we can better be prepared by he who sends us. And that's why we've looked at standing in prayer. Because prayer is the medium by which we get to converse with God. We don't just get to shout out what we want. We get to spend time listening. We get to spend time in quiet, in the still. And we get to hear his voice for us. So today we're going to drill down into what it is to stand in truth. But in order to stand in truth, we've got to know what truth is. And I want to be clear straight off the bat and just say that truth is not relative. Whatever the world tries to tell us today, there's many people who will say, I've got my truth, you can have your truth. That makes a mockery of the word truth. It's a fallacy to think that I can have my truth, that you can have your truth, that Joe blogs or Jane blogs outside of the church over somewhere else, they can have their individual truth too. It saddens me that we've got a world today where, where we even believe that as a possibility. Because truth isn't relative, truth is absolute. It either is or it is not. And there's no way in which something can be true for me and only true for me and true for nobody else. It's not possible. Now, it's possible that we can see truth from a different perspective, looking at it from a different angle. 
But that doesn't get away from the facts. That doesn't get away from what is true and what is not true. So what's the truth that we stand in? Well, throughout this series, I've repeatedly said, and even before this series, I've, I've said it many times as well, that being a disciple is moving from unbelief to belief in all areas of our life. See, belief is choosing to accept the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, someone might choose not to accept that as truth, but that doesn't make it any less true. Um, and to give you an example that is a, a few years old now, but a couple of years ago, there were some silly people, or some people being silly, I should say, in saying things like, Donald Trump is not my president. That's a lie, or it was a lie. Okay, if you're an American citizen, Donald Trump was your president. You might not have voted for him. You might not have liked him. You might not agree with everything that, that he did or, or, or didn't do. But the fact is, he was the 45th president of the United States of America. And we can't change that. Whether we like it or not, we can't change that. See, truth is truth. And if we don't like it or we don't accept it, it doesn't make it any less true. For us, as, as, as disciples, as followers of Christ, we, we proclaim that we follow Jesus. We're on this journey, this journey from, from unbelief, from, from not believing in Jesus, to believing fully in Jesus, to believing that he is Lord. And I say we're on this journey because we're not there yet. Okay? We're not there yet. We've not given everything to Jesus. We might want to. That's <laughs> a very good place to start is to want to do it. Or at least to want to want to do it. But we haven't done it. We haven't given everything to Jesus. We're not living a life of believing that Jesus is Lord. Because if he's Lord, that means everything is under his rule. Every area of our lives needs to be under his rule if we're going to really declare him to be Lord. Because that's what it is to be Lord. But we like to be our own Lord. We like to be in control of our own lives. And so we don't give up that control to Jesus. And that links back to the very thinking that truth can be relative. Because we'll say with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, but we won't fully believe it in our hearts. And what does Paul say? Say in your lips, believe in your hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. But how many people can honestly say they have given their whole life and heart to Jesus? I can't. And that saddens me that I can't. But anybody who stands up and says, I can and I have, they're lying. 
because we all have these areas that we try to hold on to too tightly, that we won't let go of. And remember that the kingdom of God is everywhere that we declare Jesus to be Lord. So everywhere we don't declare Jesus to be Lord, we're not going to see the kingdom. We're not going to see the fruits of the Spirit, truly. And we're not going to see Jesus as Lord. Because if, there's no, if, if we're not making him Lord, then there's nothing for him to be Lord of. Like a king without a kingdom. He's not really a king. And the passage for today that I want to look at in, in connection with all of this is John chapter 4. Um, Jesus meets a woman from Samaria at the well. And he speaks truth to her. He speaks truth. See, the disciples have, have kind of got up. They've left Jesus there at the well. And, and they've headed into town to get some food. So Jesus is by himself. And at that time when he's by himself, this woman arrives in the middle of the day to get some water from the well. Not the best time of day to go and get some water, but she doesn't expect anyone else to be there. And the engagement that you get between Jesus and between this woman, it tells us a great deal. Now, I love how Jesus uses this opportunity to, to bring the good news. To declare that the kingdom is here. To speak truth into this woman's life. And the first thing that we take account of is that Jesus says, can you give me a drink? And what does the woman say? Why are you talking to me? Basically. She doesn't expect anyone to talk to her. Added surprise, Jesus is a man. And he's talking to this woman. Who no man from that town would ever get caught talking to. They wouldn't talk to her on the off chance that someone saw them talking to her. Because of her background. Then there's the fact that as she says... You're a Jew. Yeah, he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. So there's another thing that stops and, and, and adds surprise. Why would he talk to her? They're not supposed to agree on things. They're not supposed to really relate to each other and have a conversation. So you can imagine that she's a little bit taken aback and surprised that he's even bothered asking her for a drink. And then she states the obvious you ask me for a drink? What are you going to get the water? What are you going to get the water with? What are you going to draw the water out of the well with? See, Jesus says to her, "But if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. You would ask me." for a drink and this part of the, of the gospel story of John really inspires me Jesus is here I mean Jesus inspires me generally but here specifically so 
just because of his interaction, the way he can turn things around and, and bring in the truth and just say it as it needs to be said. Even where there's been poor perception in the case of the Samaritan woman, she's not perceived the truth correctly. She's not been taught the truth. They've been looking at it from the wrong angle. And Jesus says, you ask me for a drink if you knew who I was. And, and, and from here, I'm reminded of, of a song that I had to check with my wife to make sure you guys would know. And she assures me that you should know. Um, I'm reminded of a song, There's a Hole in My Bucket. Because what, what that song's about is an unresolved, ever-cycling eternity. If you haven't heard it or you haven't listened to it for a while, Google it. You'll find some funny rendition of it, I'm sure. Um, and it centers around what? What's it centered around? It centers around a leaky bucket. Yeah? A leaky bucket. And coming back to Jesus and this Samaritan woman, why do I bring up a leaky bucket? Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Because he tells her, I'm living water. He says, I'm living water. Once you drink what I want to give you, you're never going to go thirsty again. Never. That water that you take is going to spring up inside of you. It's going to overflow to eternal life. That's a great picture. Bubbling up. I love the idea Jesus is living water. And when I read it, I'm reminded of baptism. I'm reminded of baptism and it, the receiving of the new that comes with baptism, the, the cleansing of, of the water. And kind of, if you've, if you've been baptized by immersion or you've had an immersion experience, then there's just that, that overflowing as you are taken by the water and then you come up out of the water. And historically, Lent is a time for preparing for baptism. You know, you didn't get baptized at any other time other than Easter, historically. That was the time for baptism, and you prepared during Lent. Lent was a time when you understood the truth that you were going to step into, that you were going to live into. This man, Jesus, who you were going to declare you wanted to follow. And on Easter this year, we're going to have baptisms. Um, we're only going to have one gathering together uh, at 10.30. But before that, we're going to have baptisms outside. We're going to have a pool. We're going to have a, got a couple of people already want to be baptized. And we're going to, they're going through first communion classes at the moment. And they're going to get baptized so they can receive first communion with the rest of their class come Easter morning. When we, when we celebrate at the table together. But that's something that's open to 
all of you, any of you, that want to go through that. You just need to talk to me. Yeah, it might be that you've been baptized already, and we're not going to rebaptize because we don't do that. But we can allow you to reaffirm the vows that either you took at baptism or that were taken on your behalf if you were baptized as an infant. And you get to have that cleansing experience. Um, and there's some people in this congregation that have done that and been through that, um, that they'd be more than happy to share that, their experiences with you on that, I'm sure. See, the promises that are made by our parents and our godparents, if we're baptized as infants, we need to take them on for ourselves at some point. And that can happen through confirmation. And some people might have gone through that. It can happen through simply reaffirming our vows and, and those promises, which we'll do on Easter Sunday as part of our gathering together. But it can also be incredibly powerful and some people, it's an incredible blessing to receive in the act of the cleansing water washing over you. So think on that and pray on that. And if that's something that, that you want, then, then just reach out and we can, we can chat about that. Because I want to include anybody and everybody who wants to be part of that. Because he's the living water. He makes us clean. And that's the symbol of the water at baptism. Cleansing. And it's a way of stepping into and realizing what the truth is. See, the woman at the well, she wanted this living water. She says, oh, I'll take that. I never come here and fill my bucket again. I'll take that. I want this eternal life that comes with it. And what Jesus says to her next is huge. Because he says, okay, go get your husband and then come back. He knew her. He knew that she wasn't living with someone who was her husband right now. So she'd gone through four or five men before that. And yet he says to her, And she says, no, 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 I haven't got a husband now. And she tells him what he already knew. And then he opens her up. And he speaks to her soul. Like no man, like no person ever has before. And he just, oh, he just opens her up. And her response is to speak truth. Yo, I can see you're a prophet. But then it's to run a mile in her next words. Because she wants to take the attention away from her and all the things that, that he's just told her. He's like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about myself. Let, let's go in a different direction, please. How many times do we do that? How many times do we try to deflect? And as we deflect... We miss the truth. And she starts talking about history. She starts talking about temple versus mountain. 
And and Jesus just says, no, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yes, you've got this perception of the temple versus the mountain, but guess what? The time has now come where it doesn't matter. The time has now come where all of those who truly worship God will worship in spirit and in truth. Because they're the people that God wants. They're who the Father seeks to worship him, are the words that Jesus says. All the people who truly worship God today do so in spirit and in truth. Because that's what we're talking about. That's what we need to stand in as disciples of Christ, as, as followers of Jesus. We need to stand in the truth. And in, in worshiping God, we're supposed to know him. Right? Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, you worship what you do not know. And we worship what we do know. Because salvation is from the Jews. Again, Jesus speaking truth, even in a difficult time and in a situation where you might go, well, you, you know, today you might hear someone, well, you, you, yeah, no, we'll accept you, it's okay, come on, and not talk the truth as well. Jesus isn't saying at any point, I don't accept you, I don't love you, but he's speaking the truth as well as being loving and caring and supportive and wanting to bring that woman along on the path of discipleship, of living into belief. And she says, well, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, I'll listen to him. (laughs) And Jesus says, well, hello. (laughs) I'm sat right in front of you. And her response is to run. See, Jesus came so that we could have life and that we could have it abundantly. Yeah? The important thing. Jesus came so that we can have life. He's the source of the living water. That, 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 that bubbling up. The NRSV says gushes up. And this spring that's inside of us as we accept Jesus... If we let it gush, if we let it bubble, then all the areas of our life that we're giving to Jesus are going to have pools of living water around them. All of the areas. Wherever you accept Jesus as Lord and you live into that and you allow that spring of water to gush and to overflow... There's going to be a pool of water around that area of your life. And so the more of your life that you give to Jesus, the more water you should be leaking. You need to be a leaky bucket that is an ever, ever cycling, never ending, unrepairable leaky bucket. That's how the song fits in with what we're talking about today. We're not supposed to care about the mess that the leaky bucket leaves behind. Because what is, what is it leaking? It's leaking abundant blessing. 
It's leaking the Holy Spirit for whoever is going to walk through it next. So don't worry about the mess that you think is being created. Don't try and mop it up. Because God doesn't want you to mop it up. He wants you to leave it there for the next person to get. That plentiful bounty that is within you is within you to be left where you walk so that other people can get it. But in order for us to be leaky buckets of the Holy Spirit, we need to get rid of ourselves. We need to step out the way. John the Baptist says, more of you, Lord, less of me. Yeah? We can't leak it if we're holding on too tightly to the bits that we care about and want to stay in control of. You've got a kind of a bucket with a plug in it where you want to keep you know, those little areas that you want to stay in control of because you don't want them to leak out because then that will show something about you that you don't want other people to see. So we plug it up. But we need to stay leaky buckets because standing in truth is recognizing that Jesus has done it all. Standing in truth is recognizing that Jesus accepts you. The same way that he accepted that Samaritan woman. He accepts you as you are. But he expects you to change. And that expects you to change bit is massive in the truth of the gospel. And yet it's the part that most churches today try to leave out. Because they don't want to tell people how to live their lives or what to do with their lives or how they should be one way or the other. We're all broken, like the woman at the well. Jesus sees us. He loves us. He welcomes us. And then he speaks truth to us about what we need to turn around. Standing in truth is living into that. So if we are going to claim to worship, we need to commit to worshiping in spirit and in truth. And that means getting to know who we worship. Not just relying on people who stand up here to tell you who he is. But get to know him. What's his character? All of his character. Not just the bits we like, but some of the bits we maybe not like so much. Some of the bits we may be a bit scared of. Some of the things we're maybe a little bit unhappy with and it's okay to be unhappy with some of God's character you know he does things which this world would frown upon let's not just concentrate on God as love let's accept God as judge let's accept God's wrath there's so much more to God than just this one word which says all-encompassing welcome. 
Because when we do that and we hear the truth from Jesus, we're going to respond like the woman at the well. We're going to run. And we're going to say to people, come and see this man who has told me everything that I ever did. Everything. And we can ask that question. Is it possible that this guy's the Messiah? And we know the answer is it's more than possible. (laughs) It's bona fide 100%. (sighs) Because Jesus accepted her, but he told her truth. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that we need to imitate to become more and more like, to be filled by him as we live in him so that we can have this abundant life which he speaks of. And when we live an abundant life, we get to offer ourselves in worship as we worship in spirit and in truth. So as we come in a few moments to uh, prepare ourselves for communion, reminded of the words of Jesus as he sat with his friends around the table. I just want to pray for you. As you empty yourself, as you've been emptying yourself all morning, don't let other junk from the world fill up what you've emptied. Welcome the Spirit in to those voids. You might want to pray in your heart, in your mind, something like, Spirit, I know, I know you don't need to be asked to come, but I'm asking you to come. asking you to come because I want more of you and I want less of me. I want to be known as the woman at the well was known. I want to be loved as you loved her and I want to share that as she shared it. I want to run And I want to stand in truth and declare, come and meet this guy who knows me better than anyone else. The Messiah, the Savior of the world. And guess what? You want to tell other people he knows them too. So Lord, as we prepare, as we prepare to come and receive from you, let us lessen the junk that we carry. Let's lay it at the foot of the cross and be with us as we do and then fill us afresh and anew to go again into whatever you call us this week.